But we're going to deal this morning with the deity of Christ. We need to understand who Jesus is. We need to understand deity, God stuff, okay? So that we understand who died for us, what it means to be saved, what it means that someone went to a cross. So go, go with me to John chapter 1. We won't read all 18 verses, but we'll read the first, four, first 14. Okay, in the beginning, and listen to the wording. In the beginning was the word. Stop right there. Don't go any further. I don't know how much studying you've done or how much work from commentaries that you've read. But in the New Testament, when we hear the reference, the word, it is always referencing Jesus Christ. Always. Anybody have a problem with that? Okay, good. So uh, when you read the Bible, remember, we, we dig when we read with a little spiritual trowel. We read the, between the lines. We ask questions. We take pictures, remember? We look for attitude. I want you to see attitude and I want you to see between the lines what's going on. In the beginning was the Word. That would be Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let me read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, Jesus. And apart from him, Jesus, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, that's Jesus, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness could not overtake it and bury it, okay? There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, we're dealing with John the Baptist, not John the apostle, okay? He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him, Jesus, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But, I love the word but, don't you? It means something's coming. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word, Jesus, became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Boy, good. Jesus Christ, in the beginning. Isn't that interesting? I shared with you that the Word is always a reference to Jesus. So if that's true, then I've got to go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning. Hmm. We've got something going on in the beginning because John references it through Jesus in the New Testament. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Interesting. That tells me that John is saying in chapter 1 of John that Jesus was with God in the beginning, 
before anything was created. Go to verses 26 and 27 in Genesis. Then God said, and listen to the wording, let us make man stop. There's got, got to be something wrong with God's English. He doesn't know the English language right. He, she, shouldn't God be saying, let me make man? No, he's not saying let me make man. Let us make man. There's a plurality here. There's more than one individual involved in creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What we've got in John's gospel is a reference to creation in Genesis chapter 1. And what John is saying is, Jesus Christ is the Word. He is not only the Word, He was the Son of God before He was ever in the flesh. He was with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit when they created what we have today. We need to hang on to that. We need to understand the reality of creation, the importance of it, the plurality. Let us make man in our image, our likeness. Now, I don't know whether God knew that uh, he was making Gary in his likeness. I just don't know because Gary, I I have a problem with Gary. Everybody knows that. I love him. But I knew he made made me in his light, right? Okay, all right. We need to understand what the Word is saying because Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And we go back to verse 3 in John, and it says, Jesus is God, and he created all things. All things came into being through him because he was together With the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Nothing, hear me, nothing is a surprise to God. God is not surprised that you're here this morning, Jet. He knew you were coming. He knew you'd you'd be here, Smokey and Lisa, right? If If I got your name, you're in trouble. He knows this. He's part of the Godhead. He's part of the deity of the Godhead. And this is something we have to grab hold of and hang on to. It is a must. Go to John chapter 5, verses 25, 6, and 27. Okay? John's still talking. The apostle. Truly, truly, I say unto you, an hour is coming, now is, when the dead will hear the voice of who? The Son of God. Remember that. And those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he, the God, God, gave him, Jesus, authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. I have it in black and white. He is not only the Son of God, he is the Son of Man. We have to understand the composite if we're going to understand the deity of Christ and what it means to say Jesus Christ died for me. Well, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11, we're dealing with the same issue. While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ 
let me put in parentheses, the Son of God, the Son of Man, died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God, I love the but, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hear me, hear me. Man alone could not die for your sin. Are we okay with that? Can I throw another one at you? God alone could not die for your sin. You're thinking. There had to be a combination of God-man. It took God-man, which was Jesus, who came off the throne with his father, thought it not, uh, not, didn't feel that he was being cheated, being equal with God, to take on flesh, come down here, and become human like you. He became that human man, the Son of God and the Son of Man, and combined, he, the deity, and man, died for you and me. God didn't die for you alone. Some man didn't die for you alone. But it says... <laughs> In John chapter 1, verse 14, it just it explains it. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We were helpless until Jesus came off the throne with God the Father came down to earth, was born of the Virgin Mary, took on human flesh, took on the anointing from the Trinity, took himself and gave himself God-man, hung on the cross and died for you. Without that happening, we would not have salvation. Somebody say amen. You need to know how you got to where you are today. You need to know what it means to have your sins forgiven. You need to know what it means to be reconciled to God. It could not have happened without Jesus leaving his throne in heaven and coming down here to become like you and me so that he could understand me and you, dear. Anthony, God knows everything you're going through because he's gone through it. Jesus has gone through it. He's been tempted like you and I have. He understands you. He understands me. We don't always understand each other. We know that. That's true. But he understands us, our good days, and he understands our bad days. Well, two of you said amen. I guess the rest of you don't have bad days. It took God-man, Jesus, to die for our sins and to reconcile us to God. We were helpless we were sinners, but Jesus took on flesh so that he could die for you, die for me. We went in Romans, he said, you know, we're not going to die for you. He said, maybe, maybe a man might die for another good man. Maybe. Maybe you might be willing to die for your spouse. We've got an understanding of it. But he said, that doesn't help the others. Jesus came as God-man. And said, I'll hang on that cross for you. You remember in, in, in the uh, Gospels, 
Jesus is praying in the garden before the crucifixion. He's talking to God the Father. Please don't forget this. He's shedding tears like great drops of sweat is coming out. He's just, do you know why? He's recognizing what he's about to do. It wasn't the dying that bothered him. It was your sin, Jason, that bothered him. And my sin. He looked at you and he looked at me. And he's looking at God. Do I have to die and take their sin? How about it, Rick? He looked at all of humanity and said to the Father, Is there any other way? If there's some other way, can we work that out? It's not the dying that I'm, I'm, I'm worthy about. I don't want to take all of that garbage. I have never had garbage in my life before. And suddenly, Father, you're asking me to take the sins of the world on me. And then he said this, but, I'm telling you, I love the word but, not my will, but thine be done. And he was through praying. He was ready to die. Deity. We must understand the reality of deity. Let's go to verses 6 through 13 because now we're going to deal with John the Baptist. Because John the disciple is referring to John the Baptist, okay? Verse in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. John the disciple is recording this. There came a man from God whose name was John. Now, we know who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is a cousin of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist in, in age was six months older than Jesus. You remember when Gabriel came to Mary and he said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She says, hey, you, you, you got the wrong girl. You, you know the story, okay? And he says, uh, he said but your, 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 your cousin is already pregnant. You need to go say hi. And the scripture tells us that when Mary went to see Elizabeth. <laughs> she knocked on the door, and Lizzie came to the door. And when Lizzie opened the door, and she saw Mary, something happened. Anybody remember what that was? Johnny boy leaped in her womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Liz got filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see what God is trying to say to us? Okay, there came a witness, this, this is the baby, in, her, in mama's womb to testify about the light, that's Jesus, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. He claimed he was not the light. He told everybody no. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He, the true light, in the world and the world was made through him, Jesus, and the world did not know him. He came unto his own. This is terrible. He came unto his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, Jason, to him, to you, to me, he gave us the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born, hear this, hear this, we were not born of blood, the spiritual birth, nor of the will of flesh, 
This wasn't, wasn't something that mommy and daddy decided we're going to have some int- intimacy to have, and have a baby. No, no. You weren't born not of blood, not of the will of, nor of the will of man, but you were born of God. Did you ever ask yourself the question, what was John the Baptist's job? He was to bear witness of the light so that all would believe. New hope. What's our job? We just can't rely on John the Baptist. He's dead. He's not coming back to life and run up and down the streets of Overton and Loganville. And what's the third one? Whatever's around here. What's our job? He came, John came to bear witness of Jesus. John is saying to people, you need to believe in this man we call Jesus. I'm here to witness. I'm here to testify that this is the Son of God. This is the one that can erase all the sins in the garbage of your life, including my life, and turn you around, make you a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you will live with God for eternity. Jesus is the one that does that. Jesus is the one that testifies and says to God, God, he does this every day. Jesus talks to God every day, especially about Gary. God, can you see Jesus? I do. And God says, but, but son, that, that Gary guy. That, and, and Jesus said, Dad, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. And Jesus goes and grabs his special camera. And he slips that lens. I may have said this once before. He slips that lens, that special lens. That lens is of blood. Then he gives the camera to Daddy God. He says, here, now look at Gary. And he takes the camera and looks down and says, I don't see anything wrong with Gary. Why? Because he's looking through the power of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to know why he loves you. You need to know why God loves you, because when he looks at you and Jesus is dead, take a look through the right camera. Wait, throw the old camera away. Take a look through the one I've got. And God looks through that camera with the lens of blood, and he looks at us and he says, ah, ah, clean, mm, clean, oh, wow, wow. And, yeah, Gary's really clean, wow. God's amazed by what he sees through that special lens. As he sees a clean Rudy, He sees a clean Jason. He sees a clean New Hope Church. Oh, not clean in their own power, but clean in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, it washes white as snow. Jesus looks at God and he testifies all the time to God on our behalf. And he says to God, no, they're not guilty because I covered them with my blood and they came to me and they said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Note in the scriptures that we read, verses 10 through 13, not everybody will believe. It says he came to his own and his own received him not. He's talking about the Jewish nation. He came to his own people... This is difficult to understand, but you've got to dig a little bit. The Jews are set in their own parameters of spirituality and doctrine. They've got the synagogue rules. They've got the Ten Commandments. They've got the sacrifices they have to make. Kill the animals. Keep killing. Keep killing. Keep killing. 
So they can't understand why someone would come along who, call, who would be called the Lamb of God, would, be, would die on a cross, and then we would never have to kill animals again for sin. They can't understand that. And it shakes the foundation of their religious beliefs. That's why they rejected Jesus. He was changing the system of belief. And somehow we don't like it when people come along and say we need to change. Even when the change is good. He came to his own, the Jews. They did not receive him. And they have suffered ever since. Somebody say amen. You know what's happened to Israel over all these centuries. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus. 2,000. And in our lifetime, some of you are too young, seriously. But in our lifetime, most of us, we saw 7 million Jews killed by Hitler. In our lifetime. Because they rejected Jesus. Now, they've still suffered since then, but guess what? <laughs> I like the butts. Jesus is going to restore them. The Bible tells us Jesus is going to rule in the millennium, which is another study. He's going to rule from Jerusalem. He's going to sit on the throne. He's going to look at all those Jewish scholars, and they're going to be bowing to him. The Messiah. Isn't it interesting that there had to be a break off from the Jewish community and Jewish philosophy, something that would be called Christianity, to bring to fulfillment what Jesus was trying to bring to fulfillment 2,000 years ago? The Christian element, those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Jesus will rule and reign from Israel like you can't believe. And verse 12 tells us, we fit. See, but to those who received him, you, me, to them, to me, to you, he gave them right to become the children of God, even to those who call on his name. Daddy, yes, yes, Rudy, I hear you. Again, yeah, Rudy, I, oh, I know. Yeah, you keep, yeah. I've got a right to talk to my father, Abba. In Jew, in Jewish language, Israeli, Father is Abba. And he hears me every time I call him. And every time you open your mouth and want to talk to God, he hears you. Because he let you become a child. He allows you to become part of his paternal system. He is the Father. And we fit in. We have the right to call God Daddy. Because we believed in the name of Jesus. Jesus, that name above all names. Verse 13, as we've read before, says, We were born not of blood. See, this wasn't a human thing. Not of the flesh. That would have been human. Nor the will of God. But we were born of God. That is not a human thing. That is a divine thing. Your salvation is not human. It is divine. And when God looks at you and he looks at me, he doesn't see any of the human stuff. He looks at you, looks at me, sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and says, now there is a divine child of God. That's who you are. That's who I am. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen? Amen. Well, getting time to close. You know what it means when the preacher says he's going to close? Absolutely nothing. 
It was John the Baptist's job to wake us up to Jesus. Go back to verse 7 through 9, would you? He came as a witness, that's John the Baptist. This is his job, to testify about the light, that's Jesus. So that all, that's you and me, might believe through Jesus. John the Baptist was not the light. I'm just telling you who, the light is coming, but it's not me, he said. But he came to testify about the light, to advertise, okay? There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. John's job was to wake us up. John's job was to stir you and to stir me into recognizing we have a personal problem. See, preachers make a big mistake. I'm serious. Preachers make the big mistake of looking at people and say, you're no good. You don't come to my church, you're no good. You don't believe in Jesus like I do, you're no good. Hey, I'm sorry, that's not God talking. Because in God's eyes, you're good. You just need a change. He's asking for the change. The preacher can enlighten you. The preacher can urge you. The preacher can try to help you recognize who God is. But the preacher can't make you a child of God. But God can. Because he loves you. Preachers make the big mistake of walking around with a hammer in his hand. Get right with God. Get right with God. I, I saw this with my own eyes years ago, years and years ago, on television. There was a group of Baptists, and I don't know, they weren't real. I was going to say they weren't real Baptists, but they were one of those little you know, schisms off the Baptist church. And it was somewhere, I think, in Oklahoma, I think. But these young people from that particular Baptist church were standing on the sidewalk as the school buses brought children, high schoolers, to school. Those, those of you who have ridden school buses, you, know, you wait, you stop, and then you get off the bus. And here are these Baptist kids. You're going to hell. Get right with Jesus. You're going to hell. You better. Re-. I'm going, you're crazy. Your pastor lets you come there and stand on the street corner and point your finger at other people and tell them they're going to hell. You think that's really going to wake them up? You think that kind of attitude is going to make them love you? Or love God? doesn't work that way. I don't carry a hammer. I carry a heart of love. Because that's what God gave me. He didn't give me a hammer. I'm here to tell you God loves you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many mistakes you've made or how bad they were. I'm here to tell you God loves you and that Jesus makes it possible for you to turn around and say, God, you're my daddy now because Jesus died for me. Not Rudy Greco. Well, go to verses 14 through 18. We're almost done. And see where John is. Okay. John now is saying that Jesus, the word, became flesh. That's how he died for us. Okay. Dwelt among us. We saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You need to recognize the power of Jesus leaving God on that throne and coming down and taking on flesh. Okay. Next verse. John testified about him, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I. 
for he existed before me. John's not taking the credit for your salvation. He's saying, it's this Jesus that's coming after me. For of his fullness we have all received. Oh, oh. Jesus has fullness? For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace upon grace. You know what grace is? Grace is forgiveness. When the Jews took their little lamb to the priest to be slaughtered, that was his essence of showing grace. Here's my little lamb. You kill it so God shows me grace. I'm sorry. Jesus hung on the cross. We don't kill little lambs anymore. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the friend, he has explained him. John the Baptist is saying, I need you to look. I need you to figure out something. You can't keep bringing lambs to the priest to die. You need to come to the altar and you need to die out to your sins your desire for sins, and you need to say, okay, God, I need to make a decision. Do I like what I'm doing in life, or would I like it to change? And will it really change if I turn my life over to you? And those of you who have done that, you know what happens. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And we forget these things. But you can't forget them because Jesus is deity. For all have sinned. That's you, that's me. I'm sorry. I'd like to stay out of that group, but I can't. I'm right there with you, Gary. All of us, all of us have sinned. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We've all sinned. But being justified from that sin because Jesus went to the cross, to redeem you, to redeem me, to snatch us out of the hands of the devil. You have to, you make that decision. No, no one can make that decision for you. No one should push you into that kind of decision. You need to be drawn by the Spirit of God. The Lord needs to come and say, okay, Nick, I, I love you, but I, 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 you need to stop what you've been doing. You need, to, you need to let me help you turn around so that I can really love you and wash all that junk away. And Nick finally said, that's what I want. It happened. Now, did Nick become perfect from that day on? I asked AJ. She said no. <laughs> None of us have become perfect from that day on. Hear me. And every day we walk with God. And every day I say, thank you, God. And every day I say, God, I don't want to disappoint you. Forgive me. We go through this stuff all the time. But I belong to him now. And I can say, please forgive me for the garbage that I, I messed up today. And that's the lamb that I had to bring to the, to the priest. He killed it. No, no, I don't have to do that anymore. I go to the Father and I say, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I forgive you. I love you. I don't even see the garbage because I choose to look through the filter of the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning, I'm about to quit, Really? Did Don, Don, John do a good job? I think he did. What about us, New Hope? What's our job? Why are we here? Why did God plant this church here? I didn't do it. We have a job to do, to witness about Jesus. I have a question. Do you remember when and where you were 
when you met Jesus and gave him your life? Can I tell you this? Jesus remembers. I remember. I was 16 years old. How old are you, Jacob? How old are you? 16? Tomorrow? Happy birthday. I was his age, 16 years old. I was in this little Italian church in Syracuse, New York. My wife, Lee, was there. We were not together. We were not a couple. She was 15 years old. She was a year younger than me. But there was an evangelist there, and he made an altar call. And Jacob, I got up out of my seat, and I went to the altar. It was time. It was time. I had enough. 16. I wasn't a bad 16-year-old. I wasn't in trouble. I wasn't with any gangs. I didn't cheat. or But I knew I needed a change. I went to that altar. My wife and one of the other young people, another girl that I've known for years, she's passed away as well, they came to the altar. They knew Jesus, but they came, knelt down beside me. My wife knelt down beside me, never knowing that this short, dark, ruggedly handsome Italian would be her husband. (laughs) I knelt there. She was there with me, along with Carmela, another friend of ours, dear girl. And I went forward to that altar, and my wife joined me to pray with me. And I functioned in verse 12, to as many as received him. I went to receive something. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. 16. That was just 10 years ago. Well, that went right over your head. But I asked Jesus to come into my life. I asked him to forgive me. And I believed, Tom, I believed that he would do it. And he forgave me. And he's kept me. Do you think he's kept me? 73 years? I'll never forget that night. Why should I? My whole life changed, Gary. Everything changed. I was 16. She was 15. It took another year. Serious. It took another year for God to get us together. Because when I was 17 and she was 16, we started going steady. She just couldn't resist me. (laughs) And when I was 20 and she was 19, we got married. And just before she passed last year, August of last year, was our 68th wedding anniversary. You think I'm going to forget how I met God? You think I'm going to forget what God has done for me? I know she's with him. Okay, I've gotten through that. I'm glad she was at that altar with me. I'm glad that God allowed us to see who we were and what we could do together as a husband and wife and the sons that we could raise in the ministry and the ministry that we, I'm happy. I'll never, never, ever forget it, nor will I ever regret it, okay? He saw me while I was still in my mother's womb. You don't believe that? Talk to King David. 
King David said, you saw me while I was still in my mother's womb. He knows who you are. He saw you before you were born. And he knew you'd be here today like I would be here today because he saw it from the beginning. I love him. I love him. It wasn't a natural birth. It was a spiritual birth. In the beginning. Where did God want me when he saw me? Well, he knew that I needed to be with Lee. He took care of that. He knew I'd go to Bible college. He took care of that. He saw that all from the beginning. He knew I'd graduate from Bible college. He knew I'd pastor a little church. He knew I'd end up pastoring three churches. He knew I'd spend 10 years on the road as an evangelist, driving two motorhomes and pulling a car all across the country, preaching in little churches like this. He knew that. He knew that from the beginning. He knew from the beginning you'd be here. He knew from the beginning you needed to know how much he loves you. God doesn't hate you. Jesus doesn't hate you. I don't hate you. He knew that. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning. He knew I'd be here in this church. In the beginning, he wanted me to serve you for the time period that God is allowing me to serve you. In the beginning, he knew we'd come together. In the beginning, he saw a group of people who would love each other like this church does and hold each other up in prayer. He saw that before you were ever born, Jet. He saw it. In the beginning, he knows what tomorrow will be like. You have to decide whether he's worth your time. You have to decide whether it's worth giving up your will to him and saying, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Just forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me once and for all. Make me clean so that when God looks through that camera with that lens of blood, he looks at me and he sees perfection, which can only happen when he looks through that lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. So I ask you this this morning, group. Has God been faithful to us? Has God done it, ever done anything bad to you? Blame God for it? We've done, we've done our share of things. We've got into our own little problem. I know that. You know that. But that's, God says, I can wipe that all away. Once and for all. And make you clean in my sight. That's who Jesus is. That's the deity of Jesus Christ. That's the one who hung on the cross. God, man. The word took on flesh. Jesus took on flesh. Hung on that cross. And he hung there. And when it was all over, before he, he looked up one more time, and he said, it is finished. And it was. And everything came together according to God's plan for your life and mine. He loves us. He loves us. I know that's hard to fathom. I know that. I understand that. But if you forget everything else, remember this. He loves you.
And from this day forward, you can make choices that will change your life. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the strength you give us each day. You brought these wonderful people here today, Lord. Thank you for that. Let your word find a place in our hearts and in our lives. Resonate within us, Holy Spirit. How wonderful we look to you, Father. And how useful we can be to you in sharing Christ with others. You promise to forgive us of all our sins no matter what. I believe that's true. You don't carry a hammer in your hand. I don't carry one in mine. We come to you of our own free will. We don't have to come if we don't want to. But Lord, just talk to all of us right now. If there's anyone here that really needs to make this decision, help them do that, Holy Spirit. This is not a moment of embarrassment. This is a moment of reality. You know who you are. You know what you need. And you know whether or not God can fill that need. And I'm not here to embarrass you. I want you to keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I don't embarrass people. But if you're here this morning, sir, madam, whoever, and you've never really turned your life over to God, and you feel this may be the right time to do that, I want to pray with you. I will not embarrass you. Just raise your hand. Take it down quickly. I'll see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. Anyone else? You, you feel it's time for you to make that decision? I want to pray with you. I will not embarrass you. I don't do that. This is between you and God. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And after the service, we are obviously going to have some refreshment. But I'm going to stay at this altar and I'm going to pray for any individual who wants to come up here and let me pray with them. Especially the one who raised his hand. Now, Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he became flesh. He dwelt among us and then he died for us. Very simple. And all you're asking, God, is for us to turn our lives over to you, to submit to you, not to some preacher, not to some society, but to you. And ask you to forgive us and ask you that from this day forward you change our lifestyle according to your will, that we may reflect how wonderful you really are. Bless these good people that came this morning. Strengthen them. Give them joy in their hearts as you touch them. And for those who could not be with us this morning, who may be on vacation, we ask that you be with them, that you touch their lives, that you strengthen them, bring joy to their life. We ask it together, and everybody said, Amen.